what I'm going to do is I was just going to jump right in and uh, see what your initial reactions were to the book so far. Um, I'll kind of hold mine back for a minute and then I'll let you know after I, you know, hear what each of you have thought. But I was just curious as you're starting to read the book, uh, what your initial uh, reactions are to the book as far as how it starts out. And um, I was wondering if maybe I could start with you, Donna, just your initial reactions to what you think, uh, you know, to the book is. <coughs> starts out. All right. Well, I, I really think that, you know, it's a very heavy book. Okay. There's a lot of research in it, but there's a lot of anecdotal information and like, um, experience, I guess. I can't hear Donna very well at all. Oh, she can't hear me. Yeah. Um, let me see. I don't know what I can do here at this okay. end. Yep. The only thing I can suggest on is if maybe you turn up your volume. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's. I already did that. No, I mean, Donna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't I'm, know. On I'm, Donna's end. I, I turned I turned it all the way up, so I hope I'm not shouting. Okay. But um, but but I thought that it was a very heady book. I mean, it's covering a lot of material, but it's 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 set out very very clearly the definitions that he believes in. You know, um, what nature deficit is. It's got a lot of research material, but I felt good that it was also balanced with a lot of um, experience different experiences from different people you know what i mean that it would go into that like you know um, so that you know i could connect with that but i thought the research was really good too because it was from a lot of different people and then he had the poetry in there too so i was you know i was i was really you know feeling good about it but of course it also brought back my childhood and you know and what nature meant to me and what it still does that there is a spiritual aspect to it. So it's, it's interesting. Know. It's interesting that you said that it was heavy because I was just having lunch with my sisters and my mom, and I asked her her opinion of the book, and she said the exact same thing. She said that it was really heavy, and I'm like, really? You think it's like really, you know, really heavy material? And she said, well, you just have to be really paying attention in a lot of detail and she said there's so much detail there and I think it was it's similar there's a lot of detail to that there just for the reasons that you mentioned um, right. I think that I feel like as an opinion it was really important for the author to come armed with a lot of different uh, background sources as far as uh, like you said a lot of anecdotal uh, experiences and right. a lot of people and even throwing in how it's kind of like an art form with poetry. I think he's yeah. tried to really yeah. arm himself with as much, uh, as many resources as possible to make yeah. the readers from all backgrounds realize it, uh, you know, it's relative to anybody, you know, not just somebody that's a biologist or a exactly. naturalist or something. And I kind of got that feeling when I was reading, there is a lot of, now that you've said it the way you've said it, there is, I guess, in that form, I think it is kind of heavy as far as, the material that you need to soak in of what he's trying to get across. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And even though I didn't say the word he heavy, I, I was saying head D. Oh, heady. I got that. But you know what? It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's That's funny. Of, you know, intellectual. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I never looked at it that way. I just thought it was pretty straightforward, but you're right. Um, now that you've mentioned that as well, I see that, you know, and so, um, Marlene, I'm kind of curious to see 
what is your impression of the book as you got into it, as you start reading it? I was just curious what your reaction is to it. Okay, I, I'm really impressed. However, um, I've only gotten through chapter three, except for referring to your notes further through. And um, I also agree that it's, it's heavy. It's, it's just intense, so you have to really think about it as you're reading. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or I did. And so you have yeah. to really think about it as you're reading, and 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 to to um, be able to categorize everything in, into our relative thought processes. The thing that I appreciated the most was that thought processes. The thing that I appreciated a lot was that I see myself there. I mean, the thing that I appreciated mm -hmm. a lot was that I see myself there. I see myself. I mean, I grew up in the woods. I, grew, I was a little kid that was allowed to go miles in the woods by myself. And so I, you know, now, what I do now with the Conservancy, I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> kind of built on that. I think that's interesting that everybody, almost everybody we talk to that is like 35 or 40 and over have experienced something completely different when they were younger with the environment and nature opposed to mm -hmm. people that are younger now still coming out of school and what the emphasis was as far as the ability to be in the woods all the time. Um, and, my, and mine is different than that since I'm twice that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting though, because of what you've mentioned was what, I mean, what I experienced when I was younger, it was encouraged that I was in the woods all the time. And I would literally go in the morning with my dogs and uh, collect water bugs in jars and collect, think I was bringing back flowers from my mom and planting weeds. And I would stay until dark and then she would have to call me in from the yeah. house, you know, for dinner. And I would never even think twice about not coming into the house once during the day. And it really yeah. irritated me that I had to come in at night. And the thing is that that amount of time being outside, I don't see nearly even maybe an hour being experienced by students or younger generations today. Like not oh, no, I, I totally agree. And, and the other thing I did was my, my dad built me a platform up in the maple tree. And so I would go up there for hours and read, just, just on the, you know, on this little board platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the things, and I don't know if it was in the section that you were reading, Marlene, the thing that stuck about out to me, really stuck out to me about this book, somewhere between one and five, where there's a lot of housing authority groups now, and you're not allowed to build forts or construct anything in the trees. And if you do, you have to either take it down, or you're fined, you know, and I think that is mm -hmm. only one layer of things that are preventing children from like just experimenting with what's around them. Oh, absolutely. And and the one example they gave of an elderly gentleman who told the children, get out of the trees and don't ever go back or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that makes me kind of yeah. sad. I mean, I see with him get being able to provide those experiences, you see the contrast, really stark contrast between how students and younger generations are encouraged to take in environment versus not. Yeah. And so um, that's one big thing that I've learned. And I think he does a really good job. I feel in the book that there's like this urgency. 
uh, just like we heard on, yes. I mean, I've heard on NPR the other day about how now the warning is if you, there's nothing that can prevent some of the backward motions uh, regarding climate change because it's gotten to the point where we can only hope that if we start doing everything we needed now, double time, that we can slow it down. And, you know, there's a sense of urgency of like everybody's been planning to do things to help the climate in the world. But now we're at that point where it's like, well, things are inevitable. But I felt like even though this was written a couple of years ago, and I don't know if either of you felt this, but I felt like there was this inevitability or urgency as I'm reading every line of, you know, like emphasizing how how nervous he was about things should be happening now, you know, like yesterday, yeah. you know. And yes. I sense that almost everything I read, whether he was trying to do that or not, every example, every uh, anecdotal experience or anything, I felt this sense of urgency every time I read something. And his, his research on the Chesapeake Bay, which is evidently hmm. valid through uh, 2022, uh, I thought that was so interesting because, um, I mean, it's happening around us and people, it's that old um, adage that I always use if you don't, if you don't love your land, you can't save it. If, I mean, if you don't, if you don't love it, you, you don't have an aspect of how, how to care for it or even that it should be cared for. That's an interesting thing that came up yesterday from everybody. Everybody yesterday kept on bringing up how there's a detachment to the value to the environment. And if there was that more intrinsic tie being made then right. more people would be caring for and doing things that they're not doing now that directly involve the environment and that was almost unanimously at random times yesterday all through the talk that kept on coming up and up how there's a detachment and a sense of identity with the environment with younger individuals and not even necessarily younger but most people that are just growing up in suburbs now there is not the internal attachment. And because of that, there's not a real sense of value of throwing something out the window and thinking about how, what impact that's gonna have later. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, we were just talking about when we are doing Adopt the Highway and how we're just astounded where three days later, there's as much garbage on the road as like 20 people and how short of a time and in my head when i'm picking all that up i'm like thinking how does how do people that are leaving this behind not realize that what that does you know if yeah. it was if it was left there it it still boggles my mind that nobody would think about that so that's what the same thing happened in a, in my wetlands programs that you know for the state but 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 a lot of uh, the volunteers for students they had to pick it up <laughs> you know because it was their wetland that they had adopted so they had to pick it up. It was a little bit different, but I, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think when I'm, uh, I'm going to share this screen with you. Uh, there was, this was from Dave and Cindy Blackwell yesterday. And this was the three big takeaways they had mentioned uh, that they thought that came out of chapters five. Um, they had mentioned, I'm not going to read everything for you, but I like their first point where there is this tie between mental health and the natural world. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I keep on thinking about how that could replace medications for attention deficit syndrome. And then how also it is kind of a refuge 
for just being able to get away from the technology and being bombarded with that and that alone. Um, and I keep on thinking of the numbers of people that we're counting out at Chapel Branch on Woodland Road and how they're increasing. And I think most people, if they wouldn't have something physical in front of them, people don't realize how um, important a natural environmental area is just to be able to refocus and be able to kind of get a sense of tranquility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I thought of that. Um, and then two, she said there about gardening, how gardening is a really big um, aspect, um, you know, for helping me mental and physical ailments. And I was just thinking I would like to find out more and hear more about like our garden and trout clubs in Sussex County and more of like the, uh, they had the pollinators program that just happened the other day with the Watershed Alliance, where it allowed people to get a piece of uh, some pots of pollinating plants that they could actually bring into their own area. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and here we are with eight and a half acres of pollinator plants that we, we need to be caring for and developing more. I right. mean, eight and a half acres, we could, we could host yeah. a whole school coming out there. Yep. And I think it's interesting because I think a lot of like, just like this idea of doing this book talk where it came from students, it doesn't necessarily sometimes mean that if they're not there during that, they weren't interested because obviously they're the ones that had the idea. But I think it would be interesting to get some of the younger people to be involved in like what you just said, Marlene, if there is like uh, places of opportunity that could be cared for, it'd be interesting somehow to see if they had that idea, then maybe they're capable of also taking on another project that impacts and educates the community <clears throat> about an area they probably don't even know about, you know? So because everything, every, 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 everything is connected. So Donna, how do you feel about that? I think that's a really great idea. And actually I got, I saw, uh, you know, ab about this uh, project that you're all working on with a book in, you know, Last Child in the Woods and thought, this is a way for me to get involved, to make connections and get involved with the conservants and conservants and, yeah, I can't say it, conservants. Yeah, you got yeah. it. I struggle oh, with it all the time. I, I, I can't hear you, but I, it sounded like maybe you'd I'm, like I'm so, I would like to be involved. And I also, with my little piece of land out here, I've been trying to take care of it, plant new trees, give something that's a legacy for the future because the woods and the land mean so much to me. So, um, you know, I'm just here kind of like taking everything in. I certainly am an introvert, so it takes a while for me to process everything. But, um, you know, I, I just think it's a great idea if you have that much land to bring the children out to that and, and to try to do it as often as you can. I think that if you can, Don, I don't know if you're able to or not, but if you're able to put um, to Marlene, I'm not sure if you know how to do this or not. If you're able to provide your email to Marlene, it would be interesting that she could give you some of those, um, you know, insights into what we talk about at our meetings. Because okay. that's, that's, that's the whole thing is trying to reach out to people that have land and talk about what they can do to help educate you know, uh, along the same lines of what we're trying to do with the conservancy. And yeah. then, you know, we do it on a bigger, we try to do that on a bigger scale with the lands that the Nanticoke River Watershed Conservancy has as well. But a lot of people, no matter, even though it seems like we're doing everything we can to get the word out, there's still a lot of people that are not really clear about the things we do. And it's 
not for lack of trying to get the info out. Okay. It's just trying to find more ways of reaching other people that wanted to know about it initially. And that's helpful for us so that we can get ideas uh, from other people that things that would reach people, you know, yeah. But, um, and so what I'll try to also do is I'll also try to, after we're done today, um, I'll try to uh, make sure I send an email to both you and Marlene at the same time too. And if you have some questions about that, um, then I know yeah. she can help out with some of that, you know, about helping and some things that are on the horizon, what we're doing. You know, I really thank you. I thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole goal of this, and I think Irvin is off and on here because of his connections, not really good. He's one of our students that was in the okay. upper bound program and he was like hardcore. Like he sometimes wasn't able to get a ride on Saturday. So I would go to pick him up and bring him there, but he was really hardcore interested and doing wow. things for the environment. Even if the transportation wasn't there, it didn't mean that he wasn't genuinely interested mm -hmm. in what he could do. And we need just more handfuls and collections of people, youth and every age, to be involved with that and be able to, if the transportation's there, you would think that there's a way that we could, those are the kind of things we need to solve problems so we can get people to the locations to do the work that they're genuinely interested in. You know, And I think those are problems that it's, it's different kind of solving problems. It's not just like, well, how can we get more volunteers? Well, maybe instead of asking right. for how can we get more volunteers, maybe it's how can we get more people to places where they can actually transport be, these. Yeah. yeah, right. So I think there's a lot of questions that are not being asked that could okay. be asked to get them involved as well. You know, but the only way that everybody knows that is by just being able to get together in real casual experiences like this. Maybe it's over right. But it also could be over the ideas that are in that book. And then we take them from there into really life applications, you know. And I think that was the really goal. Okay. The okay. kids saw that too. They're like, well, you know, we could talk like this forever. We could have 20 million book, you know, discussions. A lot of people said this yesterday too. And but they said that's all it is. And we need to figure out a way to get more people involved in the action part, using this as a starting point. But then look on back on that and say, yeah, we started that book discussion, but look what it led to. It led to more funding for these projects. It led to more okay. awareness of these projects. So, I mean, okay. I know a lot of people sometimes feel like it's great to have all these activities, but I know a lot of people are also wanting the next step where these activities will lead to getting more people to pressure people in positions of politics or, you know, whatever. Yes. yes. So well, that, even, you know. even though this is a small start, uh, well, it's powerful. It's really powerful if people would buy into it. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, that's the thing. I, even though there was a lot of, one of the topics was when you're going by any farm now, <laughs> you see all the things that are saying for sale and how everything is just being, you know, and a lot of people at first, nobody yesterday though said to the point that they felt defeated or frustrated by that, like that there was not going to be any hope. Everybody still said that they still believe that there was hope from the book that, you know, ways that things can be changed, but also from they believe that there's enough uh, opportunity for people to do the right thing. They hear little pockets of like land being preserved or people donating their land or they hear that there's new regulations for how big a house can be built so close to the beach and they're starting to hear more and more of that mm -hmm. and i think it's powerful to have more and more of those being publicized and highlighted and spotlighted and then people will won't, won't feel like 
take that stance like, well, okay, I'm going to vote, but there's a million other people. So why does my vote count? I think they feel the same way when the, everything is being transformed mm-hmm. into new townhouses and new housing developments. But yeah. it's important to have that pushback and spotlight about look what's slowly happening thanks to people valuing the environment around them. So I think these uh, events are important just because that's what it does. It puts a spotlight on, although this is happening, there's still this possibility of things that could slow that down and still preserve what we have around us. So well, you, yeah. know, you know how, how we fought. I mean, ugh, what did we fight for years with the county council? Fight, fight, fight. fight. And <laughs> but yeah. these small things can make a difference, but oh my goodness, it hasn't really, our, our efforts in the past seem to maybe be so limited. I don't know. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I, when I was thinking about that, we had that conversation over and over again about, you know, how we just constantly are trying to advocate for things we need. Right. Um, I think that it's also about rethinking the way that it's done, you know, like rethinking the questions that we're asking instead of saying, well, what can we possibly do to get uh, the information out? You know, maybe what unique things can we do to get people to be able to even say, you know what, if I have a way to get there, why not try that out? You know, so maybe the question becomes, how do we provide publicized transportation free to something that's an event to bring people there. And then maybe that's something, a different way of advertising, it. you know, I don't know, but I think there's different ways of looking at things that maybe we haven't been looking at. And I'm just kind of getting that from reading the book, seeing his perspective on how he's seeing people not being involved in the way it used to be when we were young. How do you bring some of that back? And that was the big question yesterday was, what is the key to getting people to be, and especially students, to be more involved in the environment. I mean, there there was a comment there somewhere about one of the kids liked the inside so much because he said that's where all the plugs are at. (laughs) I I thought that was hysterical. I thought that was hysterical, you know? And I mean, it's a weird thing. Like our family's never had a TV in the living room. You know, all growing up, I just realized that, and I, I don't know, I don't have a TV in my living room, really, I do, but it's never been turned on or plugged in. And cousins, uncles, we've never had a TV just sitting there in a TV, you know, in the living room. And I don't think that was a conscious decision, maybe. I don't know. I never asked my parents about that. But it's interesting how that's always just been, well, we have so many activities that if we have time, there's like a dining room that we'll all gather if there's something that we all want to see. But it wasn't the focal point of why we got together. And I think there's a parallel to like, okay, well, why, well, how do we look at parks and how do we look at nature areas instead of looking at them like somewhere to go and leave and then forget about it? Maybe it's more like stocks where we each have a, something that is part of ours there. And if that's the case, then we each put something into it before we leave, you know? So I think it's just a different way of looking at it. But I, again, I'm looking at things a little differently just because the way the author is presenting things in the book and the way that I'm receiving it. So I think that's interesting. Right. And I thank you for giving me, you and Marlene, can I just say that I really thank you for giving me, go ahead. Oh, oh go ahead. I can't, I can't hear Donna. Okay, I really thank Harry, you and, and Marlene for, you know, you've, you've given me a big overview and yet you've gone into some of the branches 
and and I and I see that the book is the focal point. So now I'm understanding the structure of where it's all coming from, and that helps me orient myself. Yeah, yeah, and and and, yeah. and, Mar and Marlene, the same thing. I'm gonna have this audio. I'm gonna, well. She said she appreciates the way that we're presenting the overview of this. And she's starting to see like the branches of how all this is being presented and what importance and value it has. And um, I was just gonna say, I'm going to take the audio of this and the video of this and send it to everybody here. So that if you wanna go back and listen to it again. Yeah, and then- One, you know. one thing that I, I wanted to interject here where you were saying that people, you know, they're inside so much and they don't, they don't realize how they can do small things um, and, even if they go walk, they, they don't they don't quite connect it. And and I was I'm I'm still hoping that maybe our little boat trip, if mm. we ever can get that off the ground, that that would be something some people would might want to do and come to. Mm. And you know, if we have our naturalists on board to convince them and, and some of us too, then maybe maybe it might make a little difference. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean I, I kind of wanted to do different things as well as the year progresses uh, tied to like our different trails, you know, and I mean, I'm really trying to carve out the time to get our, uh, like we created, thanks to the kids, they created some designs, artistic designs of things that were at chapel and we turned it into a coloring book. And so now the kids have been working wow. on activities, you know, like we have Ron Russell, who's really involved with our birding uh did, community did you, did you get in touch with him because he called he texted me yesterday he didn't seem to be too aware of what what you were doing so Not yet. I, I was to gonna be in touch with you. well i was gonna try to do that today but the kids oh, okay. the kids had an idea of you know how he's really good at building bird houses and getting bird houses that are appropriate for certain birds but he said well why isn't there an activity in that coloring book that will show the kids how to make their own birdhouse um Great. out of recycled wow. materials like wow plastic uh uh, detergent things that nobody really recycles, you know, even though you put them in the recycling uh -huh. bin and like having a how to build your own birdhouse out of scrap wood that you have around the house, you know, and awesome. so, so awesome. that could be like a cool activity that will be in the coloring yeah. book as well. And like the idea is, you know, you publish this coloring book that's about Chapel Branch, fine. And then we go to another one and then we do another one about the millstone track. And so that everything that we produce yeah. publicly published it's a coloring book, but it's something the kids take with them to the trails and it makes them interact with uh, things that are there because they're curious about it. And they're like, well, it says there's this thing there when you turn right and you go down this path and you look up, I want to see what that is, you know? So uh -huh. you've got to try to figure out how to make it like a scavenger hunt. But then I think it's a whole, all about how do you get really people to open their eyes and see things that have been there all around there all along but they were, maybe it wasn't presented, you know? And I think that was the big question. I was curious what you think. They asked yesterday, and we were contemplating the question, is there room and space for both technology and for environment to cohabitate and be yeah. like, together? Wow. I uh -huh. hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean- I don't know, but I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because on one of these, when I'm scrolling on our screen, there's one, this <laughs> little thing down here that says Kumo space. Uh -huh. And it's funny because it's like this, what we're here, we see each other, but mm -hmm. there's a little room and you go in and you can design the room however you want. And so we made it like this big park. And so when everybody pops into this room, 
and you hear see all these trees that we put in there and what happens is there's a pond and a fountain we put in this room and uh -huh. when you use your little arrows on the keyboard you go over to the stream and you can actually hear the water going you know oh, and, cool, and then if you go over to the beach on the right side of the screen you actually hear the tide coming in right and one of wow. the kids was like you know while we're in this room he's like asking me he's like can i make sure can I keep our, can we move over to the beach so that I can stay there and hear it while we're talking, you know? And like, <laughs> I think there's things that you can represent on technology that have to do with the environment, but then there's no, obviously I feel like there's no replacement as the real thing. thing. And right. like, right. wow, I think Lynn Betts was saying it yesterday. She said, you know, when I was growing up and I never had the advantage of growing up near the water, I, I grew up in PA landlocked. But she said when she was growing up, she always noticed the power of the tides going out and in. And she was able to observe all the different things of life, like in the tidal pools. And she knew things about certain things at a very young age, because that's just where they grew up. And there's a lot of kids that have maybe grown up in that, but have never even gone half an hour to the coast. And so I think my personal goal is to figure out how do I get students to be able to see that their classroom is actually even more exciting outside uh, mm. than it is inside? And I think if the school overall had this huge initiative to be like project based instead of just all contained in the classroom. And I mean, they've been bombarded with technology, 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 and they're just screened out. So here we are doing something like, like Zoom, right? But here are the kids like, were excited about it but it was still technology but it still has like an element of um you know nature and the environment and i think that's the trick yeah. it's a lot of work but i think that that has to be done schools education board of education i think that there's something that has to be done to be creative with the technology so that there is this element of creativeness and as well as environment. And I do agree that I think the environment is mm -hmm. this huge resource that's not being used as much as it could to be able to reach kids from all calibers of talent. You know, ones that are good with their hands, ones mm -hmm. that are good with not necessarily going to a four-year college, but maybe they're very technical, but they all have something to offer, whether their path is a university or a vocational school, or even community college, or local trade, or apprenticeship. I think that there's not one single discipline in our schools that environment wouldn't have a place that they could find something that they would be able to relate to. You know, to That's them. absolutely true. Absolutely, right. every yeah. level have, has something to contribute. Yeah, and I just, I feel bad because we have a lot of resources. Like there's so many people that have either moved here or have been here all their lives that have no idea about Chapel Branch or where it's at. That still amazes me. And that amazes me. Like in my head, I'm like, how could you, I don't even, I'm not even born and raised in Delaware, but it makes me sad to think that something as big and wide and vast and varied as Chapel Branch would not be known by even somebody that had been born here and raised here and not know about it. And they don't know what they're missing, obviously, because if they don't, if they've never experienced something like that, they really have no idea about why they would want to be there. Well, so. if they were born before 1992, mm -hmm. you know, we just started collecting that. We, we just started that, that uh, site back then and have handed on to it since then. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're such a small group. We haven't advertised it as much as we should have. But, um, yeah. yeah, you're right. And 
And I, I probably told, did I tell you about the West Seaford Elementary School teacher? When I was at Fish and Wildlife, she came to the Delaware Nature um, Center over at Slaughter Beach and with kids. And she said, I, I, I struck up a conversation and, and she said, uh, we had to come over here because there's nothing in secret for us to, you know, see about nature. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, she oh, almost wow. a stone on Chapel Branch from West Seaford Elementary School. Yeah. Wow. And they didn't even know it was there. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, it just, it's hard for me to realize that. I don't know. I mean, it's just hard for me to even fathom that. Yeah, yeah. me too. I don't I, know. Too. I, I, I said, it's right under your nose. You're right there. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I keep on thinking if that person doesn't know about it, then there's so many more people that are, there's so many more people that don't. And right. so maybe by doing something really creative, because I mean, my whole goal was the kids when we were talking about this just a specific example we were talking about doing like an activity book for every area the whole goal was why don't you make the activity book something where an adult and a child have to do it together you know like to finish something on that page they physically have to be there together and then they're both learning about something they didn't know about before you know and so that was yeah. the whole goal, not just having it be like, oh, here's a coloring book, go ahead and color. I mean, you know, they wanted it to be something more in depth where it was something that both the adult and a child could share, but they both walk away from that. And that coloring book actually also becomes some type of journal for that period of life and those experiences when they were there. And I think, you know, just like as a coloring book, but that should also be the way with all our trails. In our land environment areas where everybody walks away with something that they didn't have before. Yeah. So Donna, do you find that that's the case that people don't know that there are areas that they can hike and, and enjoy? <laughs> Marlene, I'm laughing because I've just been down in Delaware. I'm from Maryland and I've only, oh. been, I've only been here two and a half years and we know how long of that we were under lockdown. So <laughs> that's true. This is why I'm, you know, it's like I'm at a smorgasbord here. You know? <laughs> I'm looking and I'm saying, well, well uh, just tell, tell you, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Irvin, I don't know if you can hear. I don't know if you can hear me, Irvin, or not. I know you're just like mine. My Wi-Fi is kind of unstable, but Irvin was with us with all the different experiences uh, during the summer work study program where we had trap pond um we were at abbott's mill uh he was there with the mill millstone track and i'm yeah. just curious um if you can hear me Irvin, you can put it in the chat as well but i'm just curious uh of the new things that you learned i mean i'm going to say young because i'm much older than you but i'm saying that because as somebody that's just still in school i was curious about that work study experience where we went to different sites um, if there was something new that you walked away with that you really look back on and like, that was the best thing about this, or this is what I really learned. So I'd be curious if you're able to put something in the chat um, or say, but if you could maybe just enlighten a little bit about some of those experiences that we have when we physically went somewhere, what was something that was really valuable to you, you know, about that experience? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I'll give you a couple minutes to see if you can either type or say something because I'm not sure what you're able to do with the technology here. But, um, and so I'm kind of looking forward to chapters six through 10 because even though I kind of know these things, 
I really enjoy the way, and I don't know if you feel the same, either anybody here. I don't I like the way that it's presented. Um, and one reason is because that sense of urgency, but because there's so many experiences that relate to me when I was younger or that relating to me as I'm seeing now, as I'm you know getting older, but I don't know if, you know, there's any takeaways like that, that you're seeing as you're reading the book as well. Definitely for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, we grew up in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I grew up in the suburbs um, of Baltimore and, uh, but there were woods nearby, you know, it wasn't adjusted at that time, you know, and I was always on my bike going to the woods. I just spent a lot of time in the woods and, and it would be looking at little things that were growing. It might be looking at the ants and the bugs. I mean, I was just really, you know, in my element in the woods. I wasn't a, a fort, I wasn't a fort builder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. No one, and no one built one for me, Marlene. But, um, <laughs> but um, if I'd have had one, I'd have been up in it too, to get the bird's eye view. Yeah. Irvin, he typed in and he said uh, the experiences he had over the six weeks when we did the work study, he said that um, it was very full of new experiences. He, everything was new to him. He believed that the best experience was just being around nature, uh, being around people who are also having that feeling of closeness with the outdoors. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think that was the goal of just being able to get a taste of what is possible in six weeks with the areas that are around us. But I mean, I, I keep on thinking of things that would draw people together, you know, like there's a lot of different types of birds. And I think that it would be interesting on different times of the year, if we could arrange some kind of outing where we're walking one day on the trail and Ron is like pointing out some things that we would never really stop and listen to. Um, That's excellent. And he said that he, that someone would have to go out and that would be you yeah. to show in the trails because sure. he doesn't know where he's going. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy thing for me. I mean, I remember one, there was a bird festival somewhere uh, near Virginia Beach. It was a con conference on the weekend. But one of the things we did at night, we went out and this guy had all these different types of owl sounds on his phone and he was able to amplify <laughs> it. And then when he played it, when we were walking at night, you would hear the owls respond back to some wow. of the some of the calls yeah, on the phone. So cool. Wow. Yeah. And I think the same oh. thing could be done possibly with birds during the day or something. You know, it'd be interesting. But there's that whole wrap again with combining technology with the mm -hmm. environment. And I think somehow if it can be brought into the environment and then vice versa, that environment is brought back into the classroom. I mean, I remember doing things when I was in third grade and when I was training to be a teacher. I would reproduce those things to kids that were college and they loved it. You know, I mean, like, you know, when you, I don't know if you've ever put your hand in a bag and there's just a random miscellaneous things in there and they feel kind of weird <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I don't know what that is. You know, but I mean, it would be interesting to collect things that are from an area real close to where everybody lives or where they're going to school. And then they have no idea what those things are and you bring them out. And then that opens up a whole new conversation of, the types of fauna and the types of ecosystems that are around us where they could go five minutes away and see, you know, I mean, just, it could be like these different types of things they call bell ringers to get their students attention, oh, Okay. but then yeah. to bring, in, bring it in front of them and then make a, another connection. So they realize how close this is in their own backyard to them, you know, but I think it just has to be a little bit more support from education, people in 
politics and things that say, yeah, there's real power in using creativity and using the environment to get to the kid, to get the kids where we want them to be. Instead of a state test to score, I think the kids could do just as good on the state test if they have that ability to tie things and tie them together, but using a different method, maybe using the environment to be able to make connections. I think they could transfer that to what mm-hmm. everyone wants them to do on a state test. I mean, I think that's quite possible. I really do. But, yeah. So um, I am not, we're coming close on to, I know we were short changed a little bit at the beginning, but um, I just wanted to see, we could go on and on. And I think it doesn't matter if you've read chapter one and two, or even read all five, there's so many things just in chapter one where you can bring out about things that are related to what's happening around us. So that's the nice thing about this book. Um, It just means more chapters. There might be more anecdotes that we could bring up and talk about and how we can experience them. But I was just wondering if you have any other closing um, remarks or statements about the book as we look at the next couple of chapters next week. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind regarding the book or in general uh, that you'd like to say regarding this whole topic or whatever? Yeah. I just hope I'm well and don't crash again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll try to read more. <laughs> I think I think the only cool thing is that COVID. I mean, it's not cool, but. COVID has made me focus on things that I wish I would have focused on before by being home and taking wow. some things away. I filled in those spaces with things like for me, it was being able to go to a nature or environment that I never was able to go to. So it actually made me be at home and really discover more things that had to do with the environment because I had the downtime. <laughs> so, I mean, not that I wished it to be that way, but it's made me do that. So and hopefully things that I'll be able to hold on to and make part of going back to making those things important and part of my schedule. Yeah. Um, I have my, I have uh, hopefully be out of quarantine within a few days here, I hope. And so that'll be good. Well, we're good. Uh, It's glad. It's good to hear you actually sounding like you're getting better. It sounds, (laughs) you know, a couple of days ago when I was talking to you, it sounded like, you were congested and sounded like bronchitis and it sounded like you were just recovering still. So, Oh, I, yeah. I definitely was until yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Yesterday. And then it got a little better yesterday and this morning it's a lot better. Good. That's excellent. That's good news. Uh, Donna, was there anything that surprised you at all so far about this whole process or the book at all? Um, um, if, if, if the kind of sp- surprise is just like, wow, all these opportunities, all this information, all the ways that I can, you know, be a part of all of this, you know, and be a part of the environment down here, mm-hmm. because, you know, this is new to me. Um, I was, it's actually in Maryland, it's the Piedmont Plateau. And so it's more hilly, you know, the ground down here, I can really shovel it easily. It's sand, but the water just goes right through. It doesn't last that long. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm just, um, you know, I, I feel grateful because, you know, this has come up and it's very much important. And I've been clearing the woods line. I have 0.99 of an acre, but I've been clearing that woods line by the tax ditch uh, because of the vines that were just killing the trees. So, you know, that's something I can do, you know, um, even though I'm not at my full strength at this age, you know what I mean? I'm not at my younger strength. So learning about all this and plus the way it's all being put together, I, I understand. And it's good that you're like 
kind of like the facilitator for this because then you're giving you know all the aspects and i can i need to see both the big picture and all the little fish bones that go off the side too and then where can i fit in to do something that's purposeful you know meaning to me you know for the future yeah. for now but for the future yeah um marlene i'm not sure how much of that you heard but i know that donna mentioned that again she's starting to see uh, in question where there's opportunities that she can be able to be helpful and you know be able to contribute to and I think that like already from people that were here yesterday in the book talk they had sent me links about other conservancies about other land grants and things that just that they knew about because wow. of the topics we're talking about but then we have a place where we can share those and those are things that I never knew, you know? So, I mean, the things they're sharing with me, that could be new ways that we're setting up things that will appear on our website, or it'll be a new way of looking at how another state does something that we've always wanted to do, but without having a place where we can meet and just talk about it in general, then I would never be able to learn about those things. So, I mean, my whole idea is I want to yeah. get people here together, but I don't want to necessarily have to be, I don't, I'm not the authority really, because I mean, the thing is that all the knowledge and experience that everybody else has had, then everybody else is going to be able to walk away with things that they never even knew about. And if it took a book to do that, that's fine. But I think that that just opens the door for things that could happen in the future. And that's the hope, you know, is that. Oh we're my gonna... God. Just, think when, just think when we get our office, how much easier it'll be, hopefully. Sure. Yeah, no, it's exciting, you know, because people would be able to come in and my idea is, you know, having a central place where people can come and talk and sure we can have meetings, but then they can get a chance to come somewhere and see samples of things that we've done and what is possible. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's exciting, you know, not just, not just the trail, but I mean, this could be like the gateway to all the different types of property and lands and trails that we have. So I think that's right. exciting, you know, so yeah. Well, I appreciate well, our, uh, you know, if yeah. we're done to know our next meeting is if, if you wanted to ever come to a meeting, you, that's certainly not necessary at all, but, or you could, I, I'm happy for you to call or, and Harry would be too, but, um, but our next meeting is September 21 in case you're interested. Okay. Marlene, no, thank you for that. And I know that Harry's going to send something and I, then I will have your email. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to find out, you know, what's available, where I could, where I could fit in, you know, that would be mean, meaning to me, meaning to you, all of you, my little piece, my little thread. <laughs> no, well, that's, I, I, I didn't hear that. I don't she, well, she just said that she feels like she hopes that her little piece or her little thread will be something beneficial, you know. Everyone's little friend mm -hmm. is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I mean, like there was people that come to our meetings that are really good trail builders that I'm yeah. like, what, you build trails, really? Or somebody that's really good at construction, I'm like, great, because I don't have any expertise about anything that involves like heavy duty bolts or construction, no idea, yeah. you know. So, I mean. Harry, we, would, we would not have our Millstone Trail if it hadn't been for for Jeff and, and Gary right. and, 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 a, and, well, and you and a couple of other well, people. That's what I mean. I mean Everybody that's, that's has three like a, a three quarters of a mile of trails that we did this year. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. Everybody has that little piece though. I mean, yeah, there's no way that one person could be like, oh, because of you, we have everything. Cause that's, I don't, there's very few things that we could say that about anything we've done 
it's right. been it's the collective team. knowledge and experience and if things that maybe somebody can do for half an hour, but that half hour has led to something that's lasted for 24 hours and then to a week and then to a month. And that's exactly the way that it's been. So yeah. Yeah. there's not one single person or thing that's been like, thank goodness for that. And that's all we needed because it's never been like that. So sure. Yeah. That's really yeah. important. The more people that you bring into the fold, um, the better, you know, so yeah. And, and even with Urban or any mm -hmm. of the other um, Upward Bound kids, mm -hmm. we're, we're happy to have them. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing, um, Urban, I had put in your uh, message too. I was just curious if you have anything that you've been surprised about or something that you think would make a good project in the future that you would like to do or see done, you know, in the environment. And that's the thing, Urban was there at almost every event. I think he might've been at every single event. And he just threw himself into whatever we were doing and not necessarily that he had done that before, but mm -hmm. that's kind of like risk taking, showing up somewhere yeah. he's never been. Yeah. And then on top of that, just like jumping in and doing whatever is needed. And I don't think people in the community or people in their different like politicians, they would not know that students have done that unless they obviously can't be everywhere. But unless there's people like from like us that are willing to go to book discussions or create meetings that have to do with the environment, and then we let those people know, sometimes it's not really a lack of the people in positions that don't want to help. It's just a need for more people that are willing to say and pass on that information to somebody and say, hey, by the way, did you know that this happened? And so I think that that is really powerful. Like somebody doesn't have to ever go outside of their house ever. And if they just let five or six people know that are in positions in our community, what's been going on and that this person was responsible or this group, then I think that carries as much power as getting out there with a shovel for half an hour and digging something that's a new waterway or something. I think so, I think so too. Yeah, so I think that a lot of people, once they start to value the environment, then they'll value those things that have to not even do with stepping out of your door as well. They're just as important. So it, it's that whole big picture thing about seeing where all these things fit into one united thing, you know, and it's just like all these little pieces, but everything is really important. But unless people are able to see how each of these mm -hmm. things are important, I'm not sure that there's a value attached to it. So, yeah. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense, Harry. Yeah, I think so. But all right. Well, um, and Irvin said the work and the moments that he was able to receive from all of this experience too. That's the part that has uh, really surprised him. You know, I don't think that he expected, you know, putting on waiters. I'm not sure if he's ever actually put on waiters before, you know, and then we went to Abbotsmell and we put on waiters uh -huh. and we went all the wow. way up almost, we went way deep into a place that we would never go into on your own, uh, a, a wetland, you know, where all the, yeah, he said he's never, <laughs> he said he's never put on waiters. So, you know, we went in and we were like knee deep. Well, let me be honest, up to our waist in a wetland where you couldn't see the bottom. And it's a little spooky because there's cattails everywhere. And then there's these huge spiders. And then you see things darting in the water. They're diving down. You don't know what it is. And yeah. It's a little weird. I mean, even for me, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff moving in here and I can't see it. But it was pretty cool that we were able to have that experience. I mean, I didn't know I was going to wake up that day and put on waders and be able to get in the middle of wetland and feel and see things, you know, like that. So I think that that's... But guess what? You feel 
on someone like Urban, who hadn't had experiences like that before, it builds it builds courage. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. And, you know, that was the other thing yeah. was em- empathy. Uh, they kept on saying yesterday, every in the discussion group, how there's an increased sense of empathy towards animals, towards each other, towards mm-hmm. other people's situations when you put yourselves in situations like that meaning like that meaning like where you put yourself in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen and you're kind of interested but you don't know anything about it before you go in and then the experiences that come out of it it does build this sense of empathy that maybe some people are losing in a like Mm -hmm. kind of a digital like uh, numbing kind of environment where we're just bombarded with technology all the time it's kind of hard to pull empathy out of that when you're not able to see somebody except on a screen and you lose a lot of what you would get from being in the environment the sounds the feel the taste the smell the reactions of somebody putting on waiters and trying out something that's kind of you know weird and Uh i mean you lose a lot of those experiences by just being in front of a screen all day yeah and so that's interesting i think how deep deep uh, influencing the environment can be and unconsciously i think a lot of people aren't aware of what that can do so yeah well i'm gonna go ahead and thank everybody for joining in today um and we're gonna post and share with everybody the audio only and the video so that if you want to go back and listen and hear anything either or see it everybody will be able to see that um the google doc will stay on so people can continue to add things as they want and I've been receiving emails of people that have been sending me things. So I'll be adding those to that document so that everybody can see what's been added. And we will have an email update coming this week sometime to see how and where we can do the same thing again for the next section of uh, chapter. So I appreciate the time and being patient um, while we all kind of came together today. So thank you for adding to what we started yesterday. And I'll be looking forward to the next section. So thank you for taking time out today to be here. Thank, thank you all. Enjoy. Yeah. All right. Bye. Have a good afternoon. You Try too. Try and we'll Bye. see you all soon. <laughs> all right. Nice meeting you, Donna. Nice meeting you, Marlene. Take care, Irvin. See you later. Thank you for coming. And Irvin, too. Yep. Yep. Thank you. <laughs>